This is the Movie Hall of Fame class of 2010 for Wednesday, March 4th, 2020. Still not killed by the coronavirus, it's Adam Hall! Soon to be killed by the coronavirus. soon to be. We always promise that we'll be dead. We keep letting the listeners down. First death reported in California today. Yep. Italy evidently is, like, shutting down all of their sporting events for a month. (laughs) They're just not allowing fans into the games, but they're still going to, like, have the games just without fans. What? Yeah. Well, that's kind of weird. That's got to be an interesting game for the players. Yeah. I mean, it's like a little scrimmage. Right. It's like you know, playing at the Y. Yeah, it's like high school all over again. It's pretty dope, actually. I, I wouldn't mind it. I'd, be, I'd like to see that for a month. I'd be interested to see, uh, yeah, how that plays. Like, if you if you actually watch it, like, on TV. Right. And see if it affects their performance. Because you got to think that a lot of their morale is being built up because of that crowd. Well, it way. certainly, I think, eliminates home field advantage, right? <laughs> home field advantage no longer becomes a thing when there's suppose, no crowd. Yeah, there's no make, home that, crowd. Makes a lot of sense. No one's throwing, you know, pieces of lettuce at you. you yeah. Know, which is great. Is it bad that I'm not concerned about the coronavirus at all? I'm not concerned about the coronavirus. Th- there is not an ounce of me that is concerned. Like, no. And maybe I should be, and maybe I'm being stupid and, and obtuse about this. No, you're, you're fine. Don't worry about it. I think the survival rate for our age bracket is 0.2%, or that's the fatality rate. I was going to say survival? Yes. Well, point, well, then we're all dead then. No, point, <laughs> 0.2% for our age range. It's 3% overall, but most of those people are like over 65. Okay. That's what I, fi- I figured it was just people who have like poor health care. It's all seniors that are dying. Yeah. It's yeah. like, so it doesn't fucking matter. No, we're fine. Yeah, we, we, we're, fine. We're, we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're gonna be okay. We can thin out the old people a little bit, man. <laughs> this is just population control because the Earth is getting too heavy. It's gonna fall out of space, dude. I'm sick of sitting behind people that don't take a right on red, and I feel like this disease <laughs> is targeted at those people. You know, it'd be nice if it was that way. I, I well, they're gonna stay alive though. That's just life. It does weird things. We need like that. That. Um, uh, what the fuck is it? Um, uh, my God, that bird box shit. Oh, that's what we need. We need the Grim Reaper to just go around and kill. People I don't even know me. how to describe that. The bird box shit. I don't think that movie knows how to describe it either. So <laughs> that's okay. That movie is not good. Yeah, it's not good. That movie is a bad movie. Yes, it is. And a it bad was movie. like the biggest movie of last year. Yeah. Did you see those videos of people just trying to simulate it and they would just run into their bathroom doors? Yes. Like idiots? Yes. It's fantastic. I've seen them all. It's great. Every single one. Yes. <laughs> Made me quite happy. I have one, Nico. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, How are you? You well? Yeah, I'm fine. Watch any movies lately? I watched Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I, I think I've mentioned off air. Oh, the yeah. Other time. Yeah. What'd you think of it? It was good. I, I've, I've expressed that I did not love it, as, certainly not as much as Mandy. I said that uh, the, the filmmaking is annoying for someone like me, of course. I thought it was making sense, and then the movie breaks out of its initial setting, and it still you know, uh, adheres to the same issues. Right. Um, it's slow beyond belief. Way too slow. Like, like, and I, I always have to express that I love slow movies a lot. Mm. I usually get down to that pretty quickly, but this was like... Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. Um, it was, it was, I think you described it off air as, um, a slow movie with a lot of plot, but it, nothing happens. Right. So <laughs> I, I think, I think you said something about a Richard Linklater movie. Like Richard Linklater movies are slow, but it's because they lack plot. Yeah. Like they meander yeah. because that's his style. This movie 
has a lot to say, but could have said it in a half hour and yes. instead said it in 90 minutes. I actually said that. I was like thinking about it in my head because I always like see a movie and then I reflect on it. I'm like, what was the deal with that? And I said, like, it is a short film. Yeah. Ultimately, it's just a short film. It's just stretched to an hour and a half, maybe even longer. And I was like, uh, yeah, this is the this movie like it's got, it's got things to do, but it just takes forever for those things to happen. Right. So. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. Nick Romy does not agree with us on that, but it's, it's not a bad movie at all. No, like, I don't think so either. It's it's definitely a Panos film. It's just oh, it's Panos. It's um, Panos as fuck, dude. Oh, it's got some great scenes. Panos too. vision. Oh, the black goop. I love some black goop. Oh, the black goop is something else. Ah, uh, crazy. Yeah, crazy, crazy shit. That belongs in like a Nine Inch Nails music video. That scene. <laughs> like it's so metal. It's awesome. It's so metal. I love that shit. I love that shit. We may have to get to the movie theaters pretty soon because I feel like there's a lot of interesting stuff getting released now. Like Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah. I think, first of all, we have to do Invisible Man. Yeah, I, I want to do Invisible Man quite bad. So. Let's figure that out at some point. And, I, you know, I heard this today. This may come across as shocking news, but apparently The Way Back is not terrible. Oh. Apparently it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I heard it was really good, too. And I want to investigate this situation a little further. <laughs> You are always investigating Ben Affleck wherever always. he is. What is the matter with He's you? He's an enigma to me. What's that fucking, that movie you always told me to see and I'm like, no, I don't feel like, where they're in the jungle and, you know. Oh, Triple Frontier. Oh, no, yeah. Fucking. Yes! I just, I'm like, why, Nico, why are you wasting your time? I'm not going to see I wanted to bench press like 400 pounds after I saw Triple <laughs> Frontier. Dude, that was such like an endorphin rush. What? What that movie is about? so manly. Oh my god! I felt like such a man walking out of there, dude. It's I just, just wanted to impregnate women and fucking do deadlifts. Please don't do either of those. Triple things. Frontier is <laughs> sick, man. Uh, it just looked terrible. It looks so stupid. No, you'll like it. It's I'll good. like. Oh, it. it's stupid, but you'll like it. You're not always great at predicting what I will like and what I. Do you enjoy when donkeys get pushed off of cliffs with money raining down upon them? Sure. Who doesn't? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Triple Frontier. No, I, I, we need to investigate this way back situation because okay. that trailer looked objectively terrible. Yeah. Who directed it, though? Same guy that did the great accountant movie from a few years ago. The accountant. Oh, that guy. The guy who did, I think, Warrior. Yeah. I like Warrior. Okay. Well, him and Ben Affleck are now the new uh, <laughs> Scorsese and De Niro. Is that what it is? I think so. Okay. <laughs> Self-prescribed Scorsese, De Niro. The best team up since Scorsese and De Niro. <laughs> Whatever this guy's name is and, uh, and Big Chin Affleck. <laughs> yeah, we need to investigate that, I think. We'll see. Also, there's a new Pixar movie coming out. Yeah. We may need to catch up on some stuff. There's a few things coming out. Bloodshot comes out next week. Who fucking cares? Diesel. Yeah, oh, my God. Diesel! That movie's going to bomb so hard. Man, it looks sick, dude. <laughs> dude, when the guy gets shot in the face and then his face just melts back together, it's like, yes, this is this is my Deadpool. <laughs> Give God. me more. I got I got better things to do. <laughs> like what? Watch Taylor Swift documentaries? <laughs> no. Watch The Bachelor? No. Well, I heard The Bachelor is doing three-hour episodes. Is this true? No. Okay. I heard that at some point they're doing three-hour episodes. <laughs> uh, that would be interesting. Yeah, no, Bachelor's much better than, I think, Bloodshot. I'm just going to guess it's better than Bloodshot. Have, the Bachelor's currently airing? Yeah, they've got um, one more episode, I believe. Yeah. How is it this year? It's okay. I think Peter is a, is a fucking idiot uh-huh. in, in ways that the other guys were not. Like, it's just like, like he's the most frustrating contestant I've seen in a while. Um, but it is what it is. It's The Bachelor again. It's no Colton. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm holding everything up to the Colton standard because Colton is the guy that jumped off the fence oh or my, over the fence. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> you know, I mean that 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 season is better than I think every movie on our list. Not hard. <laughs> Not hard. Every single one of them. <laughs> a, a low bar to clear. Let's talk 2010. Here are the films nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame. Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Black Swan, Shutter Island, Incendies, or as you say, Incendi, but I say Incendies because I'm an American. Inception. Americans don't say Incendies. Incendies. You weirdo. It's like, it's like Americans that go Chile. Dude, no. We pronounce it Chile. It's pronounced Chile over there. Like, you don't say Italia to say Italy. Okay, Nico, it's a French word. How do you say, okay... If when you when you say au revoir, do you say or revoir? I understand your point, but the fact that it's a French word does not change the fact that we pronounce pronunciate. You could say scorched in American. You, would you rather say scorched? Is that what it means? Scorched? Yeah, yeah death by fire. No, I. <laughs> do you say France when you say France? You say France. No. Not France. Yeah, but that's not a singularly f- f- uh, French word now, is the thing. In- in- it is, though. Is it? I think I would make the argument that it is. I would make the argument that it's not. What does the word France mean? It means France. France. Yes. yes. But again, like... It doesn't have any other meanings. Uh, I-, I think it does. Let's agree to disagree on that. Inception and The Social Network, those are nominated for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame. It's mm. been 10 years since 2010. Can you believe it? Yeah, that's kind of cool. It's weird, It's kind of cool. It is weird because, like, you know, we've been doing all these old movie years, and I've been researching as though I wasn't alive because in most of those years I was not alive. Yeah. But this year, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember the reaction to Shutter Island. I remember seeing trailers for that in between football games. Yeah. And it, it's reflected in my also-rans because... There are just a ton of movies that I saw in the theater. At that time? Yeah. Me too. It's pretty crazy. Highest grossing movie of 2010 was? Uh, I don't know. Toy Story 3. Oh, cool. Followed by Alice in Wonderland. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, Inception, and number 5, Shrek Forever After. Have you, seen, have you still not seen a Harry Potter movie? I have not seen a single Harry Potter movie. Fucking crazy! I just, my whole life. I just watched Prisoner of Azkaban a couple nights ago, and I was like, "Fuck, this is a good movie." I'm kind of wearing it as a badge of honor at this point. One, well, one of these days, I'm going to nominate a Harry Potter movie. Yeah, but then you do that, and I'm going to have to watch all of them. Which you should. They're all literally there is one that is not so great. Which one? It's Deathly Hollows Part One, the one that came out in 2010. Yes, it's the only one that's like kind of like eh. Everything else is like awesome. It's either like awesome or fucking great. You know. Either I'm never going to watch them, or I'm going to watch them all in one day. That's that's my <laughs> stance. You will love the way they change, too. I think you'll like them. I think you'll like them. Nico. I don't like wizards. Who cares? You like Star Wars. It's true. Um, <laughs> nominees for Best Picture. Man, I remember this. I, this might have been the first year I did an Oscar pool. Because it pissed you off so much? I don't know. I just... This is definitely the first year I saw all of the Best Picture nominees. Okay. Seen every single one. Uh, 127 Hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Kids Are All Right, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, Winter's Bone, and your winner, The King's Speech. I haven't seen Winter's Bone. Yeah. J-Law, baby. Okay. That director went on to make Leave No Trace from a few years ago, 
which, which is, I like way more than Winter's Bone. All right. It's quite good. I heard it was good. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hooper wins Best Director. Man, we wish we could all have that one back. <laughs> uh, you can't even utter it. It's just... Just get the chills. You hate that, man. It's like saying Beetlejuice three times. Just, <laughs> uh, Colin... My God. Colin Firth wins Best Actor for The King's Beach. It was weird. Like, thinking about it, it's like, what were they thinking? What the hell happened this year, guys? <laughs> I remember this being a strong year, too. Mm -hmm. It's just nuts. Uh, Natalie Portman wins Best Actress. Finally, a correct decision. Uh, Christian Bale wins Best Supporting Actor for The Fighter. That makes a lot of sense. And Melissa Leo wins Best Supporting Actress for The Fighter. I don't remember her role in that movie at all. Me neither. I remember her being the mom, and that's it. Yeah, whatever. Kind of a weak year, though. Haley Steinfeld, maybe, for True Grit, could have won that year. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, Amy Adams for The Fighter. I'm sure Roger Deakins was nominated for that movie. Yeah. Um, a lot of honorable mentions, so I'm just going to roll through these. Uh, Toy Story 3, The Fighter, True Grit, King's Speech, I just mentioned, Winter's Bone as well. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon came out that year. It's a great movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. I love uh, that movie. Yeah, I just watched 3 without having seen 2, and it was very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kick-ass! I came really close to nominating Kick-Ass. It's good. It's not great, but it's good. I have not seen that movie in like six years, but I remember seeing it when I was young and loving it. I don't think it holds up. Like there's a few movies, the few of which are on our list that I don't think hold up nearly as well. This is an interesting year in that I'm like, mm. it's one of those years where it's like, I feel like I've grown up a lot since then. Yeah. So. I feel the exact same way. So. Cause I'm, again, I remember 2010 being like a really strong year. I remember thinking that. Yeah. And even as we're doing this podcast and I remember doing my end of the year review, there just wasn't a lot of stuff from this year that stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, Kick-Ass, yeah, I think is one of them. Four Lions is uh, an awesome comedy from the team behind Veep. Okay. Uh, Armando Iannucci directs that movie, and it's about a bunch of Al-Qaeda members <laughs> who are about to commit a suicide bombing, and yeah. it's a comedy. Interesting. It's hilarious. Sounds like something I would be all for. You would love Four Lions. All right. You got to get into some Iannucci. You, you'd love that guy. I like my like Death of Stalin people. Same guys. The, okay. the death of Stalin. Then yeah. I would probably. It's all, it's all the same. <laughs> I would love it. Yeah. Uh, guy and Madeline on a park bench. Damien Chazelle's Ooh, debut. That. I mean, you need to see it. It's, I do. Uh, not not a great movie. Um, but it, a, a very different and ambitious uh, um, um, debut. It's a mumblecore heavy. Holy shit! Is that movie mumblecore? It's a, literally a mumblecore musical. Yes. So yeah. Yes. I love you, Philip Morris, Jim Carrey, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor, gay lovers in prison, I think. Blue Valentine. Oof. Ugh. I was thinking of nominating that one. I love Blue Valentine. Although, like I said, I've said this you know, on, on multiple occasions, I think if, you know, once you see that movie, you will want to commit suicide. So oh, good. There's, all, there's always that. Well, if I'm ever in the mood, I'll flip that. Okay. <laughs> Came close to the town. I will no longer say anything about Ben Affleck, but I almost nominated the town. That is I, it. I really like the town. Great Renner fucking performance <laughs> wasn't he nominated yes he was and probably should have won yeah he's great wait a minute movie. was he nominated yes he was yeah right, yeah you probably you probably got to give it to bail <laughs> but i could make the case renner's really good at that movie. i could make the case compellingly for renner in the town <laughs> he's so good dude. i quote his, his performance in that a lot where like ben affleck come, like my, i say to my brother a lot whenever we're going out and there's that line where Ben Affleck is like, I can't tell you who you are and you can never, never ask. I can't tell you what it's about and you can never ask me about it again. We're going to hurt some people. And then Renner's just like, 
And then Renner's just sitting there like, who's Kyle going to take? <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's such a creep in that movie. <laughs> so good. Despicable Me came out in 2010. How about that? Yeah. Let Me In. Good. So I have seen Let Me In, but not Let the Right One In. Have you seen both of them or just that one? Just the Matt Reeves one. The remake. Okay. Let Me In. Yeah. I got to see Let the Right One In because I heard that one is like better. Yeah. But I like Let Me In a lot. Mm-hmm. Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah. Surprisingly good. Oh, yeah. Uh Greenberg, Bombach movie. Yeah, it's all right. Oh, man. <laughs> Deep cut here. Buried. Oh. Buried. Weird one that was brought up to me a lot by like my weird circle of friends. Go oh, see yes. Buried. I'm like, okay. This is a weird person movie. <laughs> all right. Interesting. Ryan Reynolds in a coffin. You never saw it, though. No, I never did. Dude, I saw it when it came out, and it freaked me the fuck out. I love that kind of weird claustrophobic shit. So. It's literally weird and claustrophobic. <laughs> okay. Buried. All right. Yeah, that's the type of movie that I saw when I was... What, how old were we in 2010? 14? 15? 14 or 15. Yeah. That's the type of movie that I saw at 15 and was like, yeah, cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy Long Legs, the first Safety Brother movie came out in 2010. Oh, I never saw it. Never saw it either. I got to get around to it. Dogtooth. Oh, Dogtooth is one that I've only seen parts of and it's fucked up. Yorgos. Yeah. Yeah. Valhalla Rising. I put that one on there for you. <laughs> I love the Hollow Rising. I know you do. Uh, have you seen it? No. Uh, it's like a modern day Tarkovsky film. It's very interesting. Um, but yeah, it's not. I, I I wouldn't even say you would watch it and despise it. You'd just be like, that wasn't for me. Easy A, a movie not for you. You don't like Easy A, right? I think I caught it once on cable and I don't remember a thing about it. Okay. And then I have a list of. Uh, oh, no. Exit to the gift shop. Oh, yeah. We're going to do that on Why Is This a Thing later. I nominated it initially, and then we took it off and replaced it with Black Swan. Mm -hmm. There you go. And three movies that I will defend to the death, despite no one thinking they're good. The Other Guys. That is a good-ass comedy, dude. No, it's not. Aim for the Bushes. That movie sucks. Aim for the Bushes. Aim for the Bushes. I'm going to stand on record and say that movie's a piece of shit. (laughs) Come back here and have sex with my wife. It's It's unfunny. (laughs) It is actually unfunny, Nico. I saw that movie at my 15th birthday oh party. That was my 15th birthday as my friends and I went to see the other guys in the theater. I had a really awkward experience where I had a friend of mine who was showing me the movie, like thinking it was the funniest thing ever. And we sat in our in, in our dorm room and we're watching it. <laughs> and I did not laugh one time. <laughs> and that I felt re- really awkward. But it just like, oh, I just thought it was terrible. That's a shame. Book of Eli came out that year, too. I like Book of Eli. Okay, you do like it. All right. And also, Date Night. Date Night's good. What's wrong with Date Night? Okay. What's wrong with Date Night? All right, good. Yeah, just other guys can go fuck itself. Two Mark Wahlberg movies. Yeah. (laughs) He's great in Date Night. (laughs) Do you ever put on a shirt? (laughs) And finally, a movie that I will defend until the day I die. As being unwatchable but quite good. The Human Centipede. First sequence. That is a good movie. Are you sure about that? That is a good movie. Uh, unwatchable. Uh, Not fun. Good movie? Good movie. Uh, uh, on the scale of good to bad, zero or one. My scale? I'm giving it a one. Zero to one. It's a good movie. Zero to one. Okay. It's a good uh, movie. We're we're just gonna brush past that. 
Scott Pilgrim. Take two. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> I, I was. Was that on purpose? No. Okay. <laughs> completely involuntary. <laughs> Written and directed by Edgar Wright. Um, starring many people that I love. And this is really the shame of this movie. <laughs> Michael Sarah, obviously the star. Don't love him that much. But Kieran Culkin. Yeah. The best Culkin. So good on Succession. <laughs> yeah, he was great. On that. So good. Mm-hmm. Anna Kendrick. Love. Allison Pill. Love. Uh, Audrey Pla- or Aubrey Plaza. Love. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Fucking superstar. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is awesome. Yeah, she is. Jason Schwartzman. In too many uh, Wes Anderson movies, but I'll forgive it. Chris Evans. Great in this movie. Good in this movie. I love him in this and movie. I think, in my opinion, the standout performance, Brie Larson. Future Oscar winner, Brie Larson, is awesome in this. I think, ooh, she is really good. Oh, boy, everyone's good in this movie. I would say uh, I love Aubrey Plaza in this movie a lot. Love her. I love her. It just cracks me up every time she's on screen. It's either Culkin or Larson for me. Okay. Those two are the standouts. <laughs> I quote Brie Larson's character a lot. That being said, nominated for zero Oscars. No shit. Was also <laughs> known as a, a tremendous flop. Cost $47 million. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. Cost $60 million and only grossed 47 Yep. So lost a lot of money, but has since gained a cult following. I would say a pretty significant cult following. Including people like you. Yep. Um, I said this on Letterboxd this week. I wrote a review about oh, no. Scott Pilgrim. I said... This is the invasion of Poland. <laughs> you fucking hate this movie. We, ha- we had an opportunity to stop the hipsters in 2010, and we lost it. And look what happened. We let them take Poland. We let them have Scott Pilgrim versus the world, and now it's over for us. Okay. This movie is fucking evil. I hate it so much. This is my second favorite on the list. That is heresy. No, this movie is actually quite good. That is heresy. Uh, this movie is a damn near masterpiece oh, in my, my mind. It, it is one of the smartest comedies I've ever seen. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. It's one of those movies where there it's like a gag a second and there's not a single wasted frame. But it's not only... Uh, funny in the way it's written and the way the world is constructed but it's also just funny with the way they use filmmaking and the, the sort of video game stylistic choices to enhance the absurdity of everything and how it is so clearly a manga and just embraces exactly what it is and just goes for it all the time and to anyone who says oh it's stupid because it's over exaggerated and I'm like I don't understand how you could watch that and not find it hilarious because it's very obviously the point uh, and everyone's having a blast making it, and I think that's undeniable. I think the performances across the board are great. I think Edgar Wright's direction is I, like so, so vibrant and energetic and crazy and very applicable to the subject matter here. And um, I've seen this movie more than every other film on the list by by a clear margin. It's one that I watch you know, multiple times a year. You know, uh, I actually just saw it uh, last month, actually. You know, and I was like, "Yep, it's great. It's my favorite Edgar Wright film." Uh, probably not his best. I still think Hot Fuzz is probably technically his best, but this is my personal favorite. I might put this above Shaun of the Dead, though. So, yeah, I love this movie. I love every single conceivable thing about it. What do you want from me? There's a moment in the movie where Mary Elizabeth Winstead is um, confronted by her ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Because that's like a hilarious joke of there are 
seven exes that you have to battle. <laughs> seven ex-boyfriends? No, seven exes. Because there was <laughs> Why a do you phase. keep saying that? There was a phase <laughs> it where meant she nothing. dated a girl. She dated a girl. It meant right nothing? Here. Yeah, she dated a girl. And uh, here's the line. <laughs> here's the line. This is Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Though. I was just a little bi-curious. Quote, I was bi-curious. Well. And the woman that... Uh, I, I don't know the name of the actress that plays the girlfriend. I always forget her name, too. Screams at the top of her lungs. <laughs> now, I'm by furious! <laughs> Continue. Burn this movie to the ground. Burn every copy. You are in no conceivable position to talk about this movie. Burn every fucking copy. Give me every copy. I, you know what? You're the Nazi and I'm saving the Jews here. That's what this is. Bring them all to me. Did you laugh when she shouted, I'm by furious? <laughs> yeah, man. You laughed when that happened? Dude, this movie cracks me up. I fucking love it. There's exactly one laugh in the movie that I had. One. What is it? By the way, I should know. I rewatched this movie for the good of the podcast. Oh my god! I rewatched it on Netflix. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Because I the first time I saw it, Nick Evangelista made me watch it at a party. Okay. So I figured maybe I missed a few jokes here or there or whatever. No, didn't miss shit. The only line, the or the only moment that made me laugh is when the teenage girlfriend knocks on the door. Of the man cave and Kieran Culkin answers and you just see Scott. Yeah, you you see uh, Scott just jump out the window in clear view. Yes. And everything shatters like that moment. I laughed at that's like legitimately funny. Other than the whole movie is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's It's, stupid. No, shut up. It very literally is all that. Most of the comedy are those visual gags. Hipster quirky anti. Oh, it's hipster quirky. I hate hate hipsters and shit. Just be funny. (laughs) It's funny. Funny. Don't do stupid anti comedy like I'm by furious. This is the funniest comedy of the 2010s by far. That is like ridiculous, no, bro. That's this movie absolutely absurd. This movie's great. You're, you, Nico, you don't want me to get to the point where I'm like, you know what, Nico? Fuck you. It's a masterpiece. Do you? Like, you guys can just play video games, man. Do you have to invade <laughs> movies with your bullshit? You like video games, too. You play your SpongeBob shit and your Batman. Yes, from and your, 2003. And your, and your Pac-Man. Yes. And that kind of stuff. Yes. The older, the worse, as far as I'm concerned. Bro, have your video games. Don't invade movies with your bullshit. Stop invading. Stop insisting upon video games in movies. Nico, They're if, different things. If you, this is not Play a, a goddamn video game. This is literally not a video game whatsoever. What is interactive about this I movie? have a question. Because <laughs> this has I, never I'm, been I'm going to make the argument that fucking a Bandersnatch is a video game before this. This has never been clear to me. <laughs> the video game sequences in this movie where Scott Pilgrim is battling these people with like superpowers... Yeah. Are those scenes implying that this movie takes place in the universe of a video game? Or does that is that scene a metaphorical portrayal of like young adult angst? I mean, it's certainly a metaphor for young adult angst. That being said, the Scott Pilgrim universe has video game isms, we'll say. What does that mean? It Are means- they in a video game? No, it's just the, the fantastical idea designed by Brian O'Malley. It's just the world he created. You have not answered the question. So in this universe... They're not in a video game, no. They, but they can do video game things. Yes. 
So when the guy bursts in through the ceiling in the rock concert, yeah, that's actually happening. Yes, that's not happening in Scott's. No, head. that makes it even worse. Oh my that god, that makes it even worse. <laughs> <laughs> they're not in a video game. No, Nico. video game things just happen. They just yes, lose lives. They're not in a video game, but yes, video game shit just happens in this world. And it's vibrant and colorful as hell and creative. And I've never seen anything like this. And I mean that in a good way, you bastard. Ah, oh, I love it. I love all the choices and they fit nicely. And it's like, yeah, like if you've seen the movie enough too, it's like, oh yeah, that, that, that's just, it's just a, this wonderful flavor and it works so well in the scene and it's awesome. And it's one of those movies where you're either going to jive with it or you're not. And that's okay. Uh, I still think it's great. You know, no matter how you try to swing it. By the way, if you ever make the argument that you are not an old man, I will kick your ass. I have, I've had enough of you claiming <laughs> I am not an old man. You just said they're invading our movies. Get them out of our movies. I will have none of that. <laughs> you fucking 80 year old. Take your computer machines out of my talkies. <laughs> you fucker. Would you like to move on? Very much so. Okay, we'll move on. If you'd like to torture yourself, you may stream Scott Pilgrim vs. the World on Netflix, if, as I did this week. If you would love to have the time of your life and reach enlightenment, go watch Scott Pilgrim uh, and stream it on Netflix. I am right and Nico is wrong. There is, there, I am is, right look, dude, and Nico is wrong. This, Let's move on. Let's this move. argument will last <laughs> until the end of our friendship. Jabril, one of us please dies. don't comment. I know you're listening. We know you hate the film too. I don't care. <laughs> Till the day we die, we're going to be having this argument. Because look, the, Where only is argument, Nick? the only argument that we can have is you saying this movie's great and me saying this movie sucks. Yeah. And there's nothing else we can say. I know. I know. It's just fucking hipster bullshit. See, I'm I actually come up it. with good reasons behind it. Hey, it's actually well made and it's well written. And the I have an argument. It's not funny. How about that? How about I have the argument that it's fucking hilarious? <laughs> Stay out of our movies. Stay out. Nico, you Go were, play your video we games, need man. Nick. This Go is listen what, to Bonnie Vare and wear your flannel. This is exactly the situation where I need Nick Evangelist. Go to your retro barcades. Nick, like, just, please go, just man. call in right now, Nick. We need you. I need you, for God's sakes. That was a non-conversation, by the way. <laughs> it was a non-conversation. I like that phrase. Black Swan! Okay. I think that's the fastest we've ever spent on one movie. <laughs> I'm out, dude. I'm out. Black Swan, directed by Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> this is a train wreck of a podcast. Starring Natalie Portman, Mila Kunis, Vincent Cassell, and Winona Ryder. Winner of Best Actress, as I said earlier, at the Academy Awards. Also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Film Editing. A committed dancer struggles to maintain her sanity after winning the lead role in a production of Tchaikovsky's Swan Lake. Um, I saw this movie when it came out, um, and I was 15, and I would be lying if I said that the only thing that stuck with me, or at least in the, uh, the years following, was that Mila Kunis and Natalie Portman have sex in this movie. Yes. And that meant a lot to me at age 15, and I gotta be honest, my critical appreciation of it began and ended at that very fact. <laughs> have you watched it since? I have. Okay. And I contend that it is still a very good movie, and I am curious to see what you have to say. Yeah, I think it's it's very good. Um, <clears throat> it's maybe my favorite Aronofsky film. 
Uh, really? Yeah. More I, than the wrestler. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's weird though. I, well, the wrestler's a better movie, but um, I just enjoy my time with this one a little more, I guess. Um, neither of them are particularly enjoyable. No. <sighs> Darren Aronofsky does not make enjoyable movies. No. We, we've long established that fact. Yes. But this is good. I don't love the movie, <laughs> though, oddly. I don't think Aronofsky is your guy. No. no. I well, just don't think Aronofsky is an Adam guy. Well, there's a few directors on here who aren't quite my guy, but we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, th- this is... this. He's not like someone that I, I hate. It's just... Oh, uh, boy. He's like a mixture of... like like. The Safdie brothers and Lars von Trier. Interesting. And it's just like a, this horrible, horrible blend. And I just want nothing to do with his worlds or his characters. I, I could not think of anything I want less than to be inside of his characters' heads because yeah. it's awful. Um, but he does a good job here at uh, illustrating those things. Yeah, I have an argument that's going to blow your mind. Um, I don't think this movie is very different than Mother. No, no. I don't I don't think it's very different. Not really. And I I think that presents sort of a conundrum for you considering you abhor mother and you think it's a piece of shit. And then you look at this movie and I guess with the exception of sub some small elements of subtext really they're not that different stylistically and also like what they're getting at. Yeah. Uh just in like putting a an attractive female protagonist in the center of the frame and just doing horrible things to her. That's not what they're doing. This movie has a lot more to say about obsession and whatnot and how that completely breaks you. The- I have a theory that Aronofsky is a creep. Yeah, he is. Am I going out on a limb no. by saying that? No. I just think he's a creep. No. I just think he's a weird guy that enjoys doing weird things to women. And he's gotten away with that because he's a filmmaker. And like That's like most filmmakers. Yes, but very rarely do you see that so front and center in their movies. Yeah. Well, maybe it's okay because I don't like Natalie Portman, generally speaking. You don't like her? No. What do you mean you don't like her? I mean, I don't like Natalie Portman. As an actress? As a person? Uh, As an actress. Okay. I just think she don't got it. Um, You don't think she's good in this movie? She's good only in this movie. Oh, wow. She's good in this movie and Leon the Professional. As a kid, yeah. And that's where it starts and ends. (laughs) She is the least charismatic actress out there as far as I'm concerned. And one of the reasons why she works so well in this is because it kind of plays to that strength of her just being kind of a nothing human being on the inside. Like your, your view of Ben Affleck is my view of Natalie Portman. Yes. So... Yeah, well, I I think that's a good observation because this movie sort of asks of that of her mm-hmm. to be an empty shell of a person, but it also asks her to be kind of childish. Yeah, interestingly, um, yeah. You know, her voice is very high-pitched. She has a high-pitched voice anyway, and she looks very young. I think she's 28 in this movie, but she looks like 22. Yeah. Um, she just has that sort of face, and obviously she's a beautiful uh, woman. But, um, yeah... She's like weirdly not attractive in this movie because you're like, oh, this poor little girl who lives at home is being sexually harassed by her ballet instructor. Yeah. Like there's nothing attractive about this. And obviously in 2010, that thought was missed on me <laughs> when Mila Kunis is eating out Natalie Portman in the bedroom. 
<laughs> but I think I look at it now and I'm like, oh, this is just a violation. It's another one of those movies, though. My perception of this movie when I saw it, which was back in the day around that same time, is totally different than the way it is now. Yeah. Because I think most of us immature, let, let me stress people, we were immature young boys to think of those scenes all, all the time. boys were immature it's, young it, boys. Yeah, Come right. on, yeah. dude. If you were 14, 15, puberty just hit you like a wrecking ball? Man. And you're watching Mila and Natalie Portman? Zach must have had a field day. Oh, my God. Mm. Well, see, Portman's my girl, actually. Yeah. Mila's his. But that's the thing. <laughs> Mila does all the work. <laughs> Do you know who told me to watch this movie? Who? My old band director. <laughs> that's creepy, actually. I don't like that at all. Because <laughs> we used to talk about movies every day. And he's like, oh, yeah, I saw Black Swan. I loved it. And I'm like, all right, awesome. I'm going to watch Black Swan before the Oscars. Okay. Uh, oh boy that's uncomfortable i saw this with my parents so that whoa so that was also weird whoa you know but yeah a bunch of other people in the room i think my grandma might have even been in the room i don't remember jesus but i saw it with my parents and i was like well that was an experience (laughs) (laughs) see the thing about this movie as well and why it works a little bit better for me uh, one is because of uh, natalie portman's performance it's also just because visually even though it's a fucking clusterfuck I, ugh, ugh, I just can't stand that a lot style. of close-ups it's close up and it's shaky and it just won't go away yeah in here it feels a little b- better in a way just because the, the entire movie just feels like you're just buzzing around in her head and i well, guess it's a horror movie yeah well yeah i think it works better as like a schlocky sort of b movie I, a psychological thriller, I would I would say more more so than horror. But there are some horrifying image. There is some horrifying imagery, and I mean, again, the notable stuff there that just always sticks with me, like when her feathers are just starting to plume, and it's just like spreading throughout her body, and it's just oh. God. I'll tell you what it was for me when she's in the bathroom and oh, she's peeling the skin, skin off her fingernail. I wasn't. Ah! I wasn't gonna say that, but yeah. Oh, that's, and then uh, it just rips off. It's pretty horrible. Jesus, I think of that every time I'm picking a hangnail. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. But again, the climax and what this movie builds to, I think, is really wonderful and very much earned as opposed to anything in Mother. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I just think the whole idea of, of abusing a young woman and <laughs> here's the thing about that style. And that's why Aronofsky is very hit or miss for some people. And I understand why he's often miss for you. You sort of never lose sight of the fact that the camera is there. Mm-hmm. You never want a movie to like distract you with the camera person. Whenever you do too much handheld, yep. and he does this thing where he's always looking at the person from behind. So he's like following them as though you're doing a documentary about Natalie Portman. Weird. Walking through New York, and you're always seeing her backside as though the camera's trying to catch up with her. So you can't help but watch it and think, oh yeah, there's a person just chasing her with a camera. You never get that sort of fly-on-the-wall effect. You're always like in their grill. Yeah, and it just feels kind of obnoxious in a weird way. Yeah. Or invasive, at least. Right. I think, again, you're right. It is effective here, and... um, I also think just like the material is a lot more fun here. But then again, I had a blast in Mother too, even though I acknowledge it's not a good movie. Yeah. I just had fun with it. I think the guy makes pretty unambiguous, schlocky melodramas. <laughs> and that's what this is. This is a schlocky melodrama with a lesbian sex scene and yeah. like lots of horrifying imagery. Yeah, It's a little more ambitious, I would say, than most schlocky, you know. No, B-movie Oh, look, things, it's, but... it is posing as high art. No doubt about it. <laughs> it is posing as high art. And I think that's the distinction, though, where it's like, uh, like I think Darren Darren, Darren, You know what, that works. That works fine. Yeah, Darren um, 
uh, more than anybody, I think I come out of his film saying that was a little pretentious. Yes. I don't know. A hundred percent. You know. But I, I think with this one, it's just like really entertaining melodrama. Yeah. You know, it's, it is. It's just horrifying imagery and cat fights and uh, sexual harassment. And it like it's like a weird stylistically it's not a grindhouse movie but in its no. content it's very grindhouse yeah um, and i think way. if you go into it expecting that i think uh it's a lot more entertaining for you i think if most people went into this thinking that it's an oscar contender darren aronofsky was nominated for best director that year think about that mm-hmm. if you approach it thinking this is going to be another oscar bait movie perhaps you'll be taken aback it's like wow this is not the ballet drama i was expecting um, which makes it even weird that it got nominated for Best Picture that year. But. It's so not an Oscar film, but it's it's I, again like I like seeing movies like this get nominated. You know, I because I, you know it's nice to, to to see that the Academy acknowledges the weird ones, as I always say. You yeah, know? and this is worthy. It's it's better than King's Speech. Yes, so. certainly better than King's Speech. I have to stress, I like King's Speech. Uh-huh. I do, mm. and you know I've rewatched it uh, uh, plenty actually. But I have also rewatched this, so that's Black Swan. Yeah, a movie that I think has held up fairly well. I feel like people know Black Swan ten years later. Uh, well, I don't think it's the movie people are flipping to, but they know about it. Yeah, <laughs> they know about it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> they they know about it certainly. <laughs> um, Shutter Island. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's keep chugging along. This won't be as bad as the first one. Directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Ruffalo, Ben Kingsley, Max von Sydow, mm-hmm. Michelle Williams, and Emily Mortimer. Nominated for zero Oscars. The only Scorsese-DiCaprio collaboration that did not take home a single Oscar. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, in 1954, a U.S. Marshal investigates the disappearance of a murderer who escaped from a hospital for the criminally insane... Um, I said this on Letterbox this week. Oh, you did, you reviewed this one too. Yeah, I'm I'm really into Letterboxd. You should hop on there. I I like making snarky comments about movies I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine uh like going to the strip club, and like the prom queen from your senior year of high school is just giving you a lap dance. Just imagine that, and it's like. Yeah, you're beautiful, and I definitely wanted uh, to see you naked in high school, but this is just wrong. You had so much potential. Why Why are you Why are you here? Why are you letting me see this? I'm confused. That's how I feel when Martin Scorsese makes movies like this. Oh. And I know I'm a giant hypocrite because, like, I love um, what David Fincher did with Panic Room, and, mm. uh, you know, I, I love uh, Widows, and I, I love when, like, awesome directors tackle genre material yeah and do like you know fun hollywood stuff okay but for some reason i have this hang up with marty and it was the same way i felt when he did cape fear when i saw cape fear for the first time like marty scorsese movies are supposed to be special and this just isn't special and i'm i think i'm holding that against it this is technically a fine movie it is proficient marty knows exactly what he's doing because the guy doesn't make a lot of bad movies i just want his movies to feel more essential and this one just feels like a pulpy crime novel that you would pick up for a dollar at the airport i like it more than the irishman that's weird to me that's i like this weird. movie a lot you've turned on the irishman I, yeah I, I kind of have you've yeah. turned on it yeah i realized look i think i don't i don't think about it ever i have no desire to watch it it didn't 
really leave a, a lasting impact. It's still a very good movie. Um, you may need to see it again if you have the time. Yeah, exactly. No, I love this movie. I've always loved this movie. This is the first Scorsese film I ever saw, so maybe that had something to wow, do with okay. it. Wow, okay. I saw it in theaters, actually. And uh, What I, is the first Scorsese movie I ever saw? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's got to be Goodfellas, I think. Maybe. I mean, I might have seen Goodfellas on TV, but yeah. that doesn't count. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I've I've always loved the, the, the tone and the atmosphere of this movie, and it just... It, it's another, it's another one of those like essential movies that kind of got me into that like like atmospheric storytelling and that sort of subtle horror storytelling and it's it's a movie where I just walked out of it and I just felt fucking nuts. It's mm. I think the movie's deeply affecting in that way where you just feel just unhinged when you walk out of it because I just think the story is just haunting and unsettling and again like like I mean you've already hinted at it I just think Scorsese does a excellent job with this i don't know it's it made me say why doesn't he make more genre films okay i like it a lot actually and i wouldn't say it's unspecial i think like in a way because i I mean in my eyes anyway because it's so good that sort of makes it a little more special it's like oh he can actually do this and he doesn't do it often enough i like cape fear i don't love cape fear but i just think de niro is so cringe in that (laughs) he's he's doing a lot oh man he's so bad in that But that's, but I, this is, I mean. Also, Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah. We, Nick Nolte's not good in that movie, man. Like, that, that whole movie is is just an homage to Hitchcock. I don't so. understand. Like, you're looking for, like, the meek husband that lets his girl get swept away by a murderer. Why are you six foot two? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Scorsese tries to make him look weak in that movie, but Nick Nolte is anything but that. I know. Nick Nolte is, like, masculine and and is is a beast of a man sure why does he have glasses on you know what i'm saying it's just bad casting all around that movie's bad casting maybe maybe i like julia lewis in the movie though yeah she's good she had a good run in the 90s yeah i don't like i don't mind that but like i said like even when like like there are things that are off about his movies there's just so much that he does right and i don't think that it's any exception here i i like i said there's not a lot of things that i dislike about this movie um no, I think that's fine. I think it's technically proficient. I do think the editing, it's not one of Thelma's greatest editing jobs. I don't it's a, a little weird for me. I don't remember it being bad. There's some really interesting editing choices. There's this awesome uh, sequence where he's talking to the, in, like, interrogating the people in the kind of uh, the, the clinic. Uh-huh. And she does, like, she does this weird edit where um, this, this woman, to, this is sort of to make... Uh, uh, Leo feel crazier than he is and make the audience feel crazier than they are when he's interviewing this woman who killed her her wife with an axe and she asked for a drink of water. Yeah. And she's like, and she, they, they put it on the table and she goes, oh, thank you. And she acts as if there's a glass of water in her hands and there's no glass in her hand at all. And then it cuts to her putting the glass down. Oh. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Did you catch that the first time? No. Yeah, I love stuff like that, though. Okay, that's and I, interesting. And I feel like the movie's like riddled with little things like that. Yeah, it's awesome. By the way, awesome production design that I can't go. Uh, uh, Too much green screen, dude. <laughs> no. Too much green screen. Uh, what? Well, the boat at the beginning's terrible. Sure. That green screen is horrendous. That's one sequence in the movie. No, there's when they're on the cliff. Uh, the, no, there's green screen. It's not that bad. It's riddled with green screen. It's not that bad. This is, but that's another example of like, wow, why is Marty doing this? Why are you not on location? Mm. You know what I mean? It's hard it, to find a location like that, I suppose. But I understand. Maybe it's but it's dangerous. Like, but yeah, I get it. It's just like uh, I don't know. It's like why aren't you on an actual boat? 
Mm. You know what I mean? Why do you spend? You can spend three hundred million dollars doing de aging on Joe Pesci, but you can't like spend some money to do a shoot on a boat. I would say the effects in this are probably better than the effects in that. That wood chipper scene in The Irishman is ungood. Yeah, I, well, I think both are not great. Yeah, in terms of visual, he's never been one to care that much about visual effects in his. Aside from Hugo, yeah, and Hugo's great. No, but that's why it bothers me, though. Like, I, I just don't think he should be tackling material like this. Now, listen, far be it from me to tell Martin Scorsese what movies he should or should not be making. Mm-hmm. I, I just am. I, I am bothered by the wasted potential. I'm just <laughs> like, dude, you have 20 years maybe left on this planet at most. You'll maybe be making movies for another 10 years if we're lucky. We got to use this time to make masterpieces. You know what I mean? We can't be using this time to ground out to second. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't feel that bad to me. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm going to call it a, a home run necessarily. Uh, it doesn't. I, for my money, it doesn't need to be. It, like I said, it's just an excellent and well crafted psychological thriller with an awesome twist and a really. It's kind of hard to talk about without the twist. I know. Because I find the twist very unsatisfying, mm. and I don't know if I want to litigate that here. But it's. I get it. I, I just, I don't know. First time I saw it, I'm like, why did I just sit here for two and a half hours? <laughs> like, why did we just do that? It's made better by the ending when it's revealed that he's not crazy. The ending's great. I think the ending's fantastic. The ending's tremendous. I think it's ex. But that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And that's one moment, man. But there's a ton of moments in this. I mean, the, his conversation with uh, Buffalo Bill, why don't, Ted Levine, I think, Ted is, Levine. I think is great. <laughs> you're as violent as they come i'm like well this is an interesting conversation mm. like then ton of that i mean mark ruffalo is great in the movie freaking he's ben, good in the movie ben kingsley's awesome fine yeah and for the few scenes that max von's i just like everything max von Sydow does don't we all yeah and yeah dude i i don't know and i think uh oh what's the name of his, his wife the michelle williams michelle williams is <laughs> creepy as fuck oh yeah like really fun like that whole sequence i i, I can't watch it it's it's awesome though i love the it. end yeah it's great yeah there's just too much pulp in this so what it's just too pulpy it's just the dream sequences where she's burning away and the i like that i mean scorsese's not one to go completely no pulp he's done it before he hasn't every time i've hated it why is that i don't know man why am i so bothered by that i think it's just because you're too enamored with goodfellas it's time for you to say goodfellas sucks no i'm just kidding yeah i think it might be time look look (laughs) i I read this in my research david fincher i guess was originally considered as the director of this movie that would have been good and i'm just like yes that's that's actually better choice it's one of the few times where i would prefer david fincher make the movie (laughs) than martin scorsese as if that's happened a lot (laughs) yeah no it's uh, you know what i mean yes like he does well with like pulpy Gone Girl is another movie just like this. It's twisty. It has a third act thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panic Room is another one. Like the game, I love when he does weird genre stuff. Scorsese, it's like no, give me something of substance. Make silence. Blow me away with silence. <laughs> silence is great. I wouldn't say this is lacking substance. I wouldn't say that the pulpy stuff is is has nothing to say. You know, I don't know. This movie's always been uh, deeply effective for me. I don't okay. know. I've reflected on it a lot. I really, really like it. Okay. Yeah. As a genre piece, I think it's quite good. Uh, you can stream it on HBO, and you can also stream it. Um, I'm sorry. You can also stream Black Swan on mm. HBO. Both are available there, if you pay an absorbent amount of money for that channel. Yeah. This is a movie I watched for the first time uh-huh. just last week. It's called Insandi. Insandies. Hey, you have it your way. Insandi. There you go. Written and directed by Dennis Villeneuve. Dennis. Villeneuve uh, starring <coughs> Melissa Desmond <laughs> Paulin 
Maxime Gode. Gode. And Lubna Azebal. This is a French-Canadian film. It is not in English. No. Nominated for Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars did not win that award. Twins journey to the Middle East to discover their family history and fulfill their mother's last wishes. Talk to me. No, you go first. Okay. Very well. Um, (laughs) I'm going to compliment this movie by saying I think the structure of the script is quite brilliant. Um, I love how these two twins in present day are not the hero of the movie. And the movie manages to make the dead woman through flashbacks and through interesting inventions of the plot, the hero retroactively. And I think that's really cool. Also the villain. And also, yes, also the villain. I think as a work of character building, quite brilliant. And I was I was blown away by the script in many ways. I I had guessed though when I I, I thought you would appreciate it. I didn't think this movie was going to quite be your speed. Yeah, I also. Period, indentation, new paragraph. I found it really fucking boring. Okay, yeah, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> I was really bored, and I felt bad because again, I was appreciating all the stuff. As I'm watching it, cinematography is awesome. Denis just has a command of the camera. There is a bigness to his movies that no one else is able to achieve. There is a scope and there is an awe. And even in its most personal moments, you can be in a bathroom with a character mm-hmm. and that bathroom feels like the biggest room in the world. Oh, yeah. You know, that that is his singular gift. And I'm watching this movie the entire time thinking this story feels super significant. What I'm watching is important and it begs to be paid attention to. Um, and that, again, is why I appreciated the story so much. Um, I think it's a wonderful story. I, I just think it's really clever. I think mm-hmm. uh, the inventions of the script are super clever. I can't help but think, oh, this is a little slow and doesn't have the pop that some of his other movies do. And I, I know you don't feel the same way. This is my least favorite Villeneuve movie Ooh, I've seen. Yeah. This is my least favorite. Yeah, my least favorite. It, it's so annoying talking about least favorites with Villeneuve because I love each and every one of his films. My least favorite technically is Sicario, but that movie's fantastic. Yeah. That's the problem. It's yeah, like, and Sicario is my favorite. I think that thing's yeah. a masterpiece. <laughs> I think it's really, really good. <sighs> yeah, no. Uh, the difference between something like, I mean, I find Sicario very empty, as entertaining as it is. I don't Do think, you? I don't think the movie has anything original or unique to say. It's Really? I think it's very well-treaded territory that we've seen time and time again. It's just one of the better versions of that story. Wow. And it's nice. Like I said, it's just that movie just flows, and it's the most accessible of his films, I would say. It's the most like rewatchable just because it's the most like action-y in that way. Uh-huh. I just don't take anything away from it. it and that's the real uh, drag with it. Is, is, and it's also got, I mean, I think part of the reason why you love it so much is because of Benicio and Josh Brolin. They're so good. And Blunt's great, too. They're all great. Yeah. And I, the, the thing is, like, even when his Denise actors have like a wonderful performances, it never outweighs what he's getting at with his storytelling or his themes. Uh-huh. It's I just find his films infinitely engaging, and and there's just so much to to dig up and discover. And this film, especially, this is my third favorite of his movies. Yeah, wow. Um, 
this is an interesting movie. I mean, I saw it junior year of college and immediately I think I knew I was going to love it when the opening has all the children and they're playing the Radiohead music. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, this guy. See, I'm actually surprised you liked it this much. Yeah. I'm watching it thinking, wow, this doesn't feel like an Adam movie at all. Like generally, like subject matter wise... I don't know. We haven't had a lot of conversations about foreign policy, you no. and me. Um, and the movie certainly says a lot about like the Middle Eastern conflict and, and American intervention across the world. And sort of, you know, and so it, I was a little surprised just like on a thematic level that you connected with it so much. Well, the movie is, is I think, very touching and tragic and just sad. I mean, the, the opening shot alone, when you when you get like just all these boys that have their heads shaved and they have no one there to help them or to care for them. They're just, you know, being coaxed into this horrible uh, militia, essentially. It's an orphanage, but it becomes a militia. And um, it's just a really, really interesting movie about abandonment. Yeah. And that I, I, I've never been abandoned, but something about <laughs> just this theme on a human level just really hit me hard. And the movie n- never loses sight of that, especially with the journey of the mom and what the ultimate conclusion to that story is and what she discovers. And I think like if you pair that with those themes of abandonment, it just it's all the more impactful. And it's I think it just says so much about the, those ideas. And even with the twins and their relationship with their mom and, you know how they the uh, always tried to connect with her but just really couldn't and they never fully understood why. Yeah. This movie the reason I love this movie so much is because I like Greek mythology. Oh wow. Okay. And I I like Greek tra- uh, tragedies. Hit me. This movie the Greek Greek tragedies play with very specific and very fine but very very like brutal and hard-hitting ideas and themes and they're not afraid to go for it and there's this sort of they're also very incestuous and there's there's a weird prophetic element to what's going on where the characters feel like they know what's going to happen and they go out of their way to try to invo- avoid this horrible horrible thing and to create the all, all the, the best possible world th- that that they could but the worst possible thing ends up happening mm. and that has always felt like this movie to like a T. It just feels like a classic uh, Greek tragedy in that way with everything that happens with the mom and how she sort of gave up her child in order to, to, to make sure he would live like a much, much better life. And again, like thinking this is, this will, this will allow him to, to live on and have only the best possible things happen to him. And then of course the worst possible things happen. It's the complete inverse of what they expected and how they get to that point in the ultimate reveal of like, aha, oh my God, it, it was leading to this all along and it would have been so much different had she not made this one choice. And that's, that's the movie. And that's the same with those Greek tragedies. And I see, you see it in Oedipus a lot. Well, it's yeah, a lot of Oedipus in this movie. Certainly. I will try not to spoil because I know no one has seen this movie, but yeah. Um, and I, I, but you're right. And then just like even, even some like uh, mythology themes, uh, like, like I even see like elements of like Theseus and the Minotaur in this movie of all things. I just, I just really connect to that. And I just love that, that style of storytelling. And it's, it's takes its time. I get that. But this, this movie again, even when it slows down, it always feels like it's building to something big and it almost always does. 
and that big yes. thing never it's it disappoints but like deliberately we're just like fuck this this what happens to these people is just horrible but it always feels earned and i feel like in this world it's a very believable thing because i've i've read stories about everything that happens in this movie you know at least uh not when it came out because i wasn't interested in that but later on i certainly heard a lot about it uh can't say it worked for me as much as it worked for you that's okay yeah it felt a little convenient <laughs> well very convenient but that's all, the point though. Yeah, I, I yes i understand everything that you're trying to say like the revelation is not supposed to feel like an aha it's supposed to feel like an oh shit yeah that i i get it um, feels like something you can get away with in a book more than you can in a movie. Well, this is originally a play. I know. Right. So. That that makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah. Like, those sort of uh, leaps of faith, logical leaps of faith, for some reason, are a lot easier to convey on the page. I'm not 100% sure why. Maybe because we're conditioned to expect more twists like that in literature. You you mean, like, how, how easily she finds her son again? And Just the revelation. See, the thing is, like, one of the reasons I loved it so much was because it was, like, so surprising. Because I remember, like... like I'm not doubting it's surprising. It just felt a little, like, n- really? No, but, like, the, the, the point was that, like, at some point in her life, and she never knew how she was going to do it, she was going to find her son. Right. And just this wonderful, euphoric moment where it's like, oh, my God. He's right there. It's like he's across the hallway and I haven't seen him in forever. And I'm, it's going to be like this, you know, the same same way where it's like you've you've lost your long lost love and then you come back to them. It's like, oh, there they are. It's a, almost like a cliche in movies. Yes. But how the movie subverts that and says it's like like I've been saying, it's not the best thing that's ever happened to you. It's actually going to be the worst thing that's ever. happened. And it's clever. I, I just think it works, you know, like shockingly well. It is clever. So. I, I again, it didn't land for me just because I could not help but roll my eyes a little bit. Just like, all right, the math is not really checking out here. If this happened at this year and then he'd be this old. And what do you, did you think he looked too young? <laughs> None of it worked. I'm just a little fuzzy on the math. I'm a little hazy you, on the what math. What are you fuzzy about with the math? Well, I don't want to spoil the movie, but it just feels like there might not have been enough time for all of that to happen. Mm hmm. No, I, I, because I thought about, yeah. I thought about that too. It's like, no, he could. I mean, if the initial, in- if he was born when she was like nineteen or twenty, mm-hmm. and well, she's older than she looks is the problem. Like they, yeah. If I'm to criticize any detail, she looks way too young in that scene. Yes, but she's like you know old enough so that all those age gaps make perfect. So sense. then the incident happened when she was forty. The incident. Oh, the incident. With- That's what we're saying. The prison incident happened when she was forty. I don't know if she was forty. She I mean, probably- about around then, right? That's the only she thing would have that would had to sense. have been a little bit younger than that. It's okay, thirty-eight. It's assuming how old was she when she? Uh, uh, I'm sorry that we're dancing around this. No, but I, I really don't want to spoil. Yeah, I would need to rewatch the movie to confirm these details. No, for but you, so but- if she was, yeah, how and- old was she when she first had the baby? That's my. That's my only question. That's what I'm saying. Probably at. The youngest, 17 or 18, at the very youngest. I might argue younger. Okay, maybe 16. Yeah, that's the thing. But, um... So we're saying that happened 20 years later. Did the prison... Ish. Like, how long was she in prison, though? That's my that's my other question. 10 years, I think. Okay. Yeah. I don't mean to nitpick too much. I, I, it, I don't know. It felt like a convenient plot device to convey a theme rather than the other way around. I would just say blame the 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 aging makeup. <laughs> okay, maybe. that's that's probably the, the greater because she does look way too young in that moment. Okay, but. all right, very well. Um, yeah, and I also just, although I found a lot of the material to be quite compelling, mm-hmm. 
the movie does use a, a sledgehammer, not a little pickaxe, to convey these themes. And you don't usually like that. I don't usually like that. And I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know, dude. I can take it either way. So like at the beginning, where like the brother just shoots the guy in the head. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm now going to kill my sister because she brought shame to my family. It's like... That happens, though. Okay. It's not, it's not a, that's not okay. a foreign concept. Right. I, don't per, know. I don't know. Perhaps it happens. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps it happens. Yeah, okay. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Very... Co- in fact, they... No, do- there's some harrowing stuff, no doubt. It, it, it's yeah. dealing with, there's like a, a conflict. Where are they? In, in Aleppo or, or Libya? Where are they? Syria? Something like that. I, I forget. I forget the country. Is it Syria? They may not have said actually. It might just be like a stand-in for the Middle East. I'm, yeah, I know it's in the Middle East, and I know there's that Muslim-Christian conflict going on. Yeah, but there's I don't like know. a. I'm not sure if this is historical. Con- it must be. There's mm-hmm. there's uh, persecution of of Muslims at the hands of Christians mm-hmm. in the Middle East, and um, she's like a freedom fighter. Yeah, essentially this character, and yeah, a lot of fucked up shit happens because it's a Middle East movie, and these <laughs> movies are never fun. <laughs> <laughs> They're never a good no. time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of that. Yeah, I uh, uh, hard to recommend. I think that's what it comes down to. It's kind of a hard movie to uh, recommend. I mean, if you're if you like if you like cinema and you like Denis, I would certainly recommend it. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to. Um, I could recommend it to my parents. I couldn't recommend it to like like the casual moviegoer. Yeah, not the person who's going to see Sonic the Hedgehog, for example. <laughs> certainly, I, but I, I think those those uh, the, the, those themes of, of motherhood and child abandonment are super strong and super impactful and again like i said before the movie never ever loses sight of that so there's a consistency throughout where it just feels earned and it's again just i just think denis just is perfect when it comes to storytelling he knows exactly what he's doing it's never a movie that i feel like loses a step so i can say that about each and every one of his movies so turn the light on please (sighs) maybe don't tell them what's going on in this room we can we can just chill in the darkness i don't care I don't want to do that. Not with you. Okay. Appreciate it. That's better. That's much better. Inception. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Inception. (laughs) Written and directed by Christopher Nolan. Starring Leo DiCaprio. You know, underrated decade for Leo, I think, just in general. Maybe. He had a lot of movies that came out this decade. He did. We think of him as like, oh, he's in the back half of his career and... Well, his performances vary for me personally, uh, but he had a lot of like like iconic, well-known, beloved movies. That's for, certainly true. Shutter Island, Inception, Wolf of Wall Street, Revenant, Django, Once Upon a Time. Is there anything else that we missed? Probably. J. Edgar? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> J. Edgar. <laughs> no, but that's a lot of stuff, though. That's a lot of like yeah. high-profile work. Absolutely. Joseph Gord Levitt's in this movie too. Ellen Page, Tom Hardy is so fucking good. This movie. Uh, Ken Watabe, uh, Watanabe, w- Watanabe, Watanabe. Okay. Killian Murphy, Marion Cotillard, and Michael Kine. Michael Kine. Mm-hmm. Winner of Best Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Visual Effects at the Oscars did very well. I forgot about this. Also nominated for Best Picture, Original Screenplay, Original Score, and Art Direction. A thief who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream-sharing technology is given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a CEO. I can only say this. 2010, first year I saw every single Oscar movie, and I was 15, and I was blown away that this did not win Best Picture. 
And obviously, we've come a very long way since 2010, you and I. But in 2010, to a 15-year-old film snob in high school, this was unfathomable to me. That Inception did not win Best Picture. It was so obviously the best movie of the year to me. And uh, no, I don't feel the same way anymore. But I still think it's awesome. And I will now let you hop upon the soapbox because I have spent a lot of time complaining about movies today. So now it's your turn. I mean, I'd be happy if we didn't have to talk about Inception. We can just go straight to the social network. I'd like to talk about this. <sighs> it's probably my least favorite movie on this list. Wow. Um. Yeah, you know, I was 15 once. <laughs> I liked this movie enough when I was 15. And then I grew up and I'm like... Yeah, it's kind of stupid. <laughs> it's kind of it's 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 actually kind of not great. It's good. I I you know it's it, a lot of nice iconic stuff that's been memed into the dirt. Yes. Um. Uh. Still fucking Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> the- it's like you're talking about like fucking Happy Gilmore or something. It's like, oh, you know, it's all right, but it's an Adam Sandler movie. Like, why do you speak about Nolan the way that you speak about bad filmmakers? Uh, well, because I think he is a bad filmmaker. Christopher Nolan is not a bad filmmaker. Stop it. I was reflecting on because I really don't care for this movie at this point. I mean, I I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I like I said, I think it's good. Um. It's it's another example though where I just think it comes down a lot of the time to just Christopher Nolan's voice. It's it's the same reason why you don't like Wes Anderson. I watch I watch I don't think that's the same reason. You find his work obnoxious, don't you? I find it obnoxious and repetitive. The the repetitiveness yes. <laughs> is key here. There you go. You find Nolan repetitive? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. See, I don't see a lot in common between this and the Prestige. Mm, I think, though, again, it's it's, you know? it's it's entirely his voice. It's his. It's the way he commits to these high concept ideas, and how much like a love and affection he has for them. But how he goes way too far with that to the point of wanting the audience to have the same level of like fervent love that he does, and it's just annoying. He's too earnest. Uh, oh God! It's another example. I, I mean, I just, I just think it's pretentious. I don't know. I, I, I find this movie incredibly annoying. I think the characters suck. <laughs> Aside from um, Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy is delightful. He is fantastic in this movie. But I was just like, I was reflecting on the movie and I was like, I never, ever rewatch this movie. Oh, I do quite a I, bit. I own it and I never you own rewatch it. it. Yeah. Oh, I do it quite a bit. And I'm just like, yeah, I've never loved this movie. Again, I find Leo to be awful in the movie. I think he kind of sucks. I think he's whatever. I, yeah. I, I don't remember him being offensive. Eh, no. I, I, I will say this. Ellen Page is offensive in this movie. Ellen Page's character is the worst thing Christopher Nolan has ever done. I, listen, Ellen Page, I will own that. Ellen Page's character is perhaps the worst character I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, never has a character screamed studio note yeah. more than Ellen Page. It's I like, know. 
Nolan submitted the first draft of the script and somebody at Warner Brothers didn't get it. And they said, hey, how about you add a character in to explain the plot to the audience? And that's what Ellen Page is. She exists to explain the plot to the stupid audience. Yes. And now I'll admit, first time I saw this movie, like, I didn't get it. I was 15. Some of it went over my head. I think now I have a fairly clean grasp on what's going on here and the dream within a dream within a dream. And they're trying to implant this dream into the guy's memory. And yeah, I I get that. I submit that it's not because you are stupid, Nico. I think it's because the movie does a poor job at telling you You think it's convoluted? Yeah. Really? I, I think the movie storytelling is at times good when it's trying to be an action movie perfectly good then i think the action set pieces are fucking awesome they're awesome they're awesome and why is that not enough for you because mm, they're not that awesome <laughs> that's that's the problem why is joseph gordon levin in a hotel hallway floating and fighting dudes why is that not awesome enough for you i don't know i've seen 2001 okay oh, <laughs> like this, why is it enough they're in paris and the fucking the, the world starts turning on itself why is that not awesome i enough? shrugged i was like okay it's a visual effect it's nice had it's, you ever seen that before i had never seen anything like that before when i was 15 i, I i'm sure I've even seen if i've never since. seen anything i mean avatar i found more visually interesting so um, I also like how practical it was. Apparently, not a lot of green screen was yeah, used in this it, movie, it and I, I enjoyed that. I, it I, also I can tell. it also leads to the issue of, of Christopher Nolan just being like it's weird because he loves doing these complicated practical stunts, but I find him visually to just be blah. I find in- Interstellar to be the most visually blah space movie ever. <laughs> it's like you go to an alien planet, and the best you can do is frozen fucking clouds. <laughs> You go. You, a relative of mine just watched Interstellar for the first time. I don't care. She loved it. Good for her. She's she an, loved. She's it. an idiot. Don't say those things. She is an idiot. Don't say. Anyway, those um, and same with this. I was like, okay, you're you're doing a movie about dreams, and the best you can do is office building. <laughs> I mean, come. Oh, that's not fair. I mean, come. That's not. On. That, that's not fair. I disagree. Dude, that's not fair. Why? Because is it he not makes fair? the most of these locations. I don't care. I'm, I'm cool with him using pathetic locations if you make them look awesome. Uh, but I don't think he does. I think it's just another office building, and it's boring. And it's like, okay, like visually, it's it's like the action sequences are fine. But when the scene literally becomes Leo and Ellen Page sitting at a diner in the middle of nowhere, it's like, oh, this is a dream. I will own the Ellen right, Page thing. Right. I will own it. Oh, you, you she's not a good character. You you want to explain how paradoxes work? Let's do it in this hotel lobby uh, off of a winding staircase that never like cool. I don't care. I'm with you. I don't give a. I'm shit. I'm with you on the logic. The writing. Oh my. It's not that bad. Oh my god. If uh, dude, dude, <laughs> I would rather. I would rather. I would rather read a dictionary with a migraine than listen to Christopher Nolan's expository dialogue on the concepts in his films. It sucks. It's awful. It's so stupid. And there's nothing charismatic about it in the slightest. And it's it, it, that's not even a problem necessarily with this movie. It's a problem with pretty much all of his movies where he just needs to sit the audience down and tell you this is what's happening, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and it's just like, get on with it. I get it. I understand how this works. Tell it more visually for fuck's sake. Uh, and again, like, stop, stop hitting the microphone. (laughs) I hate it. Stop. Like, it just feels like that's what half the movie is where like they need to stop and explain who fucking Maul is. And oh my God. (laughs) 
it's like like again like the the movie's odd to me in the way it handles its its characters and some of its editing like like one of my one of the the most egregious scenes in this movie is when they're finally at the snow fortress and um uh fisher is about to go into the vault and you know perform the act of inception and it's going to be amazing and then maul repels down and then leo's like he just stops in his tracks and then ellen page is like she is not real and he's like how do you know that i'm like what are you, what? What are you talking about of course she's not real you fucking idiot it's <sighs> and then he just immediately shoots her and it's silly as hell and then the following scene where they go into the other dream and she gets shot again and he asks ellen page what the hell she's doing i'm like you just shot her in the previous fucking dream what are you talking about what this dialogue is terrible <sighs> i want to remind you that you own this movie yeah i i bought this movie. there is one person in this room that owns this movie yeah. i own every movie <laughs> i i bought this movie like again around the time when it came out too it's just like the so much of the movie is that and again just terrible drama like the scenes where he finally comes to uh see maul when she's about to commit suicide i just think it doesn't work and it's also brought down by the fact of how it's edited because he's he goes from mom no jesus she had herself declared sane by three different psychologists i'm just like oh my god it's like christopher nolan is a genius at undercutting emotional value in a scene it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty it's fighting words it's pretty amazing actually like like you could do a case study on how horribly edited his films are when it comes to constructing any sort of semblance of drama i just don't think it's it's that good the only good things about this film is that on paper the concepts are interesting um the action is awesome the cinematography is great um it's competently made, you know, of course. I like the miniatures and I like the practicality to everything. Um, Tom Hardy is, is so desperately, is he's so desperately needed in this film. I can't express that. A enough. revelation. He it, is a revelation yes, in this movie. He won the BAFTA for best like newcomer or something. Yeah. Uh, he's so good in this movie and I can't like, I could watch the movie just for him. And I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt enough in the movie. I, I think Ken Watanabe's fine. I guess that's the other problem though, is that there are no memorable or interesting characters. I don't much care for the plate of Dom Cobb and how he's, he's too <laughs> Not a good character name. Exactly. It's just dumb. Not a good character name. I don't know. I don't How about know. that ending? I don't care. <laughs> I have no. I have no Does interest. The top in it. stop spinning. Adam. It looks like it. Oh, but he's got his his wife his wife's ring, and that's actually his totem. Does, Great. Does the top stop spinning? Who gives a fuck? Um, have I said my piece? <laughs> my second favorite Nolan movie. Yeah, I know. Number two. Yeah, and it's fine. It's Dark Knight. And it's this. As far as I'm concerned, it's fine. It's whatever. There are, Stream it on Netflix, kids. It's the worst movie on this list. So let's move Stream on. Stream it on Netflix. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim fucking, is better. Fucking masterpiece. Scott in Inception. It's a masterpiece. You wish it was a masterpiece. Man, this is such a... What a year for us, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what a year. No, th- thinking about this movie again just reminded me that I just... I think it just comes down to Christopher Nolan's voice. Like, it's Yeah, a, I think. In the same way that you don't like Wes Anderson's voice, I find his voice equally yeah, annoying I, and repetitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, well. He tells the same stories and says them exactly the same way. They all feel identical to me, aside from the prestige and I guess the Dark Knight. Okay. All right, whatever. I know. I forgive you. It's fine. It's okay. whatever. Uh, let's talk social network. Oh, cool. <laughs> David Fincher directs. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin writes. 
Not bad. Jesse Eisenberg <laughs> stars along with Andrew Garfield, Justin Timberlake, Army Hammer, and Rooney Mara. Winner at Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score at the Oscars, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, have gone on, I guess, to be... I, I mean, now that Hans Zimmer is sort of in the back half of his career, these are like the composers now, right? Speaking of Hans Zimmer, hate his score in Inception, but... Oh, my God! So let's move on. What? <laughs> hate it. So I saw Hans Zimmer live <laughs> at Foxwoods Casino about two years ago. <laughs> They closed with the Inception score. Oh, that's too That was bad. the closer. That sucks. They did Lion King, and they did Dark Knight, and they did, like, all this iconic stuff. I would ask for my money back, dude. They closed with Inception. <laughs> they did the song, um, I think the song is called Time, and it was wonderful. No, it was the closer of the encore. Hans Zimmer did an encore, and he came back with the Inception theme. It's too bad. And it was tremendous. I thought it was awesome. I feel bad for you. Literally, the mu- it's like it's one of his most egregious examples of music where, again, parodied, and for good reason, with the blah, <laughs> and then literally the music is just... I'm not talking about the bass drop. I'm no, at, but like the, just the, the... like I mean, dude, there's nothing memorable about the score aside from like some beats. Literally, listen to the song. When you're in the car later, listen to the song Time. I know what you're talking about. It's it, wonderful. It's a I, wonderful theme. I always think of the, the the end credits where it's just literally. Shut up! That's really great music. Shut up! I want to listen to that. <laughs> Good chord progressions there. Reznor and Ross, though. Reznor and Ross, they won the Oscar this year. Yes, not Hans Zimmer. Those are the guys now, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we saw Waves last year. I know no one else saw Waves, but you and I saw Waves, and we talked a lot about it. I mean, that movie is just like a half star better because of Ross and and, and Atticus. There. I agree. Or, or, and Resner, Ross yeah. and Resner, Ross and Ra- Ross and Radicus. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, it was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Lead Actor, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Sound Mixing. Um, as Harvard student Mark Zuckerberg creates the social networking site that would become known as Facebook, he is sued by the twins who claimed he stole their idea. And by the co-founder, who was later squeezed out of the business. Mm. Um, you go, and then I'll go. I mean, th- I, this movie's phenomenal. It's perfect. This is, I mean, again, probably David Fincher's most accessible, I would say. But, I mean... I mean, he makes pretty accessible movies. I don't know. Not this... Ex- like this, But th- this movie is accessible in a way where it's like, I never want to turn it off. I've, I have watched this movie and then watched it all over again. It's so good. And it's so just... In, thoroughly entertaining there's not a single thing i want to skip in this movie but like, it is an unbelievable cable movie oh my let, let me God. I, I agree with you on that and again i didn't think this in 2010 but i was 15 then and whatever i saw the movie i really liked it but the life that it's gained over the years mm-hmm. um every time it's on fx i'm i'm stuck for an hour it's great it's incredibly rewatchable oh i was not expecting it to be that rewatchable well, I had that discovery because I didn't see it in theaters. I caught it on HBO and I was just like in, like captivated. And then I would watch it every single day. And, yes. I, and I didn't even realize I was doing it. I was like, oh, I'm just going to flip on the social network now. And I'm like, holy shit, I've seen this movie like 10 times already. It's not the type of movie that you would think of as a cable movie. You no. think about Ocean's Eleven when you think about cable movies. But this is 100% right. And it's all about that script. 
Oh my god Sorkin's movies Are just like candy Mm -hmm. And so yeah I'm stuck every time I have to stress though Like the difference Between this Sorkin script As opposed to something Like Steve Jobs Is that the story Structure here Is not repetitive At all to me Uh I just Well Steve Jobs Is by necessity A repetitive movie I I get that But it's like like To a fault (laughs) It's like every single Conversation feels identical To the last And I can't say that About this one It just feels like This one's constantly Morphing in all the right ways And the characters Are changing just a little bit every single scene to, i am the only person that defends steve jobs so that's okay. i like no no no. i like steve jobs it's just by the time you get to like that th- that fourth interaction with him and when he's got gray hair it's like okay i've seen this scene three times before yes move it along true but um no it's not the same way with this movie um i think the dialogue is so good i mean i don't know what to say about the dialogue aside from the fact that it's excellent and you know incredibly quotable Incre- yeah <laughs> again shockingly quotable for mm-hmm. a movie about a tech company i know right but, but that's sorkin but just maybe one of the greatest characters ever written yeah and one of the great performances to go along with it i know yeah. uh kind of is begging for a sequel you think yeah that would be interesting yeah <laughs> i when i was ranking my top 100 movies of the decade a project that i will never attempt again because yeah. my god was that a pain in the ass yeah uh, I wrote a lot about social network, which I put number two on the list, only behind Whiplash. Um, and so I'm just going to self-plagiarize, as Aaron Sorkin often does. <laughs> Go ahead. And read what I wrote, because I don't think I can put it into better words on a podcast. <clears throat> I'll pat yourself on the back. No, I'm just... Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> when I ruminate on cinema's great director-screenwriter collaborations, I think about Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader on Taxi Driver, Sidney Lumet and David Mamet on The Verdict, Steven Spielberg and Steven Zalian on Schindler's List, Roman Polanski and Robert Town on Chinatown, Tony Scott and Quentin Tarantino on True Romance, Paul Feig and Emma Thompson on Last Christmas, <laughs> and of course... Thanks for the laugh. Appreciate that. You're a real pal. <laughs> My joke landed. And, uh, and of course, David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin on the social network. Yep. But what sets the Fincher and Sorkin uh, collaboration apart from the rest of the list is how fundamentally different they feel. Mm-hmm. Fincher's films are cold, interior, usually quite cynical. While Sorkin's scripts are known for their showy monologues, their airy humor, and most notoriously, their schmaltz. A Few Good Men ends with Tom Cruise's idealistic lawyer defeating Jack Nicholson in a war of words. Seven ends with Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box. That's the difference. But in Social Network, these diametrically opposed artists manage to bring out the best in one another. In Sorkin, Fincher finds a snappy writer of dialogue to combat some of his dour impulses. And in Fincher, Sorkin finds an expert storyteller to convey his obsession with toxic male figures with an appropriate sense of tone and drama. Look at the work they did this decade apart from one another, most notably Gone Girl and Steve Jobs, and the truth becomes self-evident. They've each never been better. That's Social Network. Yeah. It's just two masters. A master director, a master screenwriter, seemingly born for one another. It's I like never, they were soulmates. I never would have thought that, though. Yes. Because I, I think when this movie came out, there was a, a lot of like negative buzz around it before it even gotten released, because... We were all like, oh, a movie about Facebook? That sounds stupid. Fuck that. I heard that constantly. I remember a lot of people like not wanting to see this movie for that alone. A lot of my parents not wanting to see that for- A lot of your parents? I have many parents. All 10 of them? <laughs> a lot of like family friend parents. You know, yeah, yeah. You know what I fucking mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of parents not wanting to see this either. And, I'm, and I, 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 again, I just remember when I saw it, I'm just like, they're just, oh my God. I think it sort of sealed the deal that for me anyway, that like Fincher at that point was going to be like my favorite director. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I've never seen anything so entertaining in a long time. 
Uh, this is my favorite Fincher movie. I think it was seven for a while. I think this one has surpassed it in recent memory. I, I just think um, it is so urgent. It is such a now movie. Timing for this movie was interesting too. Perfect. Yeah. And, and who would have known in yeah. 2010 we'd be here? I know. Like Mark Zuckerberg was enough of an interesting figure in 2010 to make a movie like this. But think about the last 10 years of Zuckerberg. Think yeah. about the 2016 election. Think about the the uh, the privacy scandals. Yeah. Think about uh, his like political aspirations. Well, you would watch this movie and think it would age poorly. Yes, and it's just gotten better and yeah. better and better because like everything it talks about, it just gets worse over time. Right, <laughs> that's the thing. Yes, like I just love it. like isolated young horny college dudes. <laughs> Who do computer programming on the side, just getting revenge on women. That that theme has only become more relevant Mm -hmm. in the past 10 years. I know. You know, I think now we would describe Mark Zuckerberg as an incel. I mean, that's what he was (laughs) in 2010. Incel with a little more drive. Sure. A little more more psychotic, honestly. Right. Like this character anyway. I mean, this guy's fucking nuts. But, But here's the thing. Aaron Sorkin is obsessed, as I said in the piece there, obsessed with toxic male figures but he often goes overboard and those figures become either too idealistic in the case of Steve Jobs or uh, too toxic and too over the top. Fincher like sort of threads that needle mm-hmm. with this character and you're watching Zuckerberg behave badly. And a lot of this, by the way, is Eisenberg, who I think I yeah. awarded on the end of decade podcast performance of the decade. Um, Like he's a really tragic, terrible figure. And it feels like, the actions that he's taking have serious consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not like some sort of over the top melodrama of a character study. This is like a shitty person doing shitty things at Harvard. And uh, it feels like, you know, he, he feels like that friend who you keep around, but you know that you shouldn't because he keeps embarrassing you at the bar and he keeps like saying creepy things to women in public and you really <laughs> want to distance yourself from him. Yeah. It's a really skeezy movie in that yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, it feels that way. That, that, again, like, compliments with David Fincher so much. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think about it, though, and I'm like, you know what? He was kind of perfect for this type of material. Yeah. Because it is about this this sort of nasty, you know, again, like, toxic masculinity, as you've been saying, male figure. And it's about just this sort of someone who's a kind of on the fringe and is a bit of a hooligan and a punk. And that's something that David Fincher loves so much, just seeing these punks destroy society. Yeah. And I mean, he just... But he doesn't let them off the hook. No. That's the thing about Fight Club that works so well. Yeah. Is Fight Club is clearly a satire of these people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He approaches with empathy, but like he goes hard. Yes. And that's the case here. He doesn't pull any punches with Zuckerberg. No. Neither does Sorkin. But it's interesting, though, because you're, you're right when you say he's tragic, because I think you're you're kind of bouncing back and forth between I love Mark Zuckerberg and I absolutely hate the guy. Yeah. Which I always, Well, you admire him in some ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, how quickly he becomes who he is, too, and mm-hmm. how believable that is. Because, honestly, like, with, with when you see the jump from him just being this college kid to being literally a millionaire, yeah. it's like, usually I would not think that, that would work, but... The movie traverses that quite well and quite honestly. And I'm like, everything that they were given makes perfect sense. But not only is the 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 trajectory of the story really wonderful, but it's also the weird interplay between characters just kind of fighting each other and how that goes from initially very like like kind of light, but they're managing it like it's bad, but they, they know what to do. They're just all of a sudden being just the worst thing anybody has ever gone through. No, the Eduardo thing escalates I, quickly. And, and by the way, Garfield Garfield's, is so good. 
awesome. He's in so movie. good in this movie. Yeah. I always look back on him in this. I'm like, yeah, like because I, 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 I still like Andrew Garfield. I've never liked him as much as he's been. in this I movie. see that movie for the yeah. first time, and I think this guy's going to be a star. And I was sort of half right, half wrong. I think, that was, uh, but that that you're 100 percent right is still my favorite Garfield performance, yeah. and it's not close. Absolutely, yeah, he's great. I, you know what I think it is with Zuckerberg though? It's those. Uh, it's it's those um, conference room scenes, <laughs> which should be so boring. Yeah, but <laughs> you're watching it because it, what uh, Sorkin and Fincher to a certain extent do. It's so brilliant is he gives you an even douchier character in the Winklevoss twins. Yeah, like, the Winklevoss is certainly got screwed, mm-hmm. but you watch them like, <laughs> you know, rowing their canoe. Oh, my God. And, uh, and in those courtrooms, or not courtroom scenes, but in, in those legal meetings in, in the office. And you're like, man, these guys are such fucking punks. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Zuckerberg's bad, but these guys wear scarves. Mm-hmm. And there's two of them. Yeah. I hate them. You're trying to figure out who to side with. They do crew. Yeah, I know. And there is a sort of cathartic feeling you get when he chews them out. Yeah. In those scenes. You're watching Zuckerberg and he's a prick. But he's just sort of sitting there stalking like a predator, mm-hmm. staring these guys down from across the conference table. And then when he finally unleashes the monologue, if you would have invented Facebook, you would have, if you invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Yep. And it's like, hell yeah, dude, you want to high five Zuckerberg. And then by the end of that movie, what he does to Eduardo and what he does to all his other friends. Yeah. You're like, oh, no, I was rooting for the bad guy all along. Yeah, no, he is the villain. And it makes you complicit in the story. It's such a brilliant script for that reason. It could be the best script ever written. It's Well, I don't know about that, but it's, it's, it's certainly I, I, really good. If you wanted to come to me and say it's the best script ever written, I would listen to you. Okay. I think it's fantastic. I, I mean, it's maybe top 30 or 40. I don't know if it's best ever. I'm going to put it in top 10. Top 10. It's very good, dude. A lot of great scripts, dude. It's very, very good. But again, that that that... That playful attitude that the movie has with the audience with being like, are you on this side or are you on that side? Yeah. And not only that, but in, in shifting the way you are, you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And just discovering. It's so entertaining. It's so, like, I can't stress how fucking entertaining it's this so movie is. It's so entertaining. Because those boardroom meetings should be the bo- most boring thing ever. But the movie is so well edited by uh, Kirk Baxter and I think Angus Wall is, are the people who did it. Okay. And it's in... Uh, they went on. They they still do great great stuff, and they've uh, still work with David Fincher, except for Angus. I think he's uh, I think he's retired actually, which is unfortunate. Okay, but uh, they won the the Oscar for best editing for this. They did rightfully so, and then they won it the year after with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as well. So I just think they're very good at what they do. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo won best editing. Yep, that's a cool choice. I agree with it. That's a good choice. I think yeah. Well, wow, very rarely does the Oscars make a choice like that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And they got up there like, whatever, we won last year. We're just editors by. <laughs> yeah. That's such an outside the box choice. I really like that a lot. Yeah, me too. The best film editing Oscar generally has some cool winners. I am always, it's, is it weird that I'm always like excited to see what wins best editing? It's not weird because I'm the same way. Uh-huh. That's why I was so mad when Bohemian Rhapsody won best editing. That was <laughs> you, just such a betrayal. We don't need to talk about that. No, but I feel like Whiplash won best editing. Whiplash, Fury Road. Yeah, Fury Road won best editing. Usually the best films are the best edited in a way. Yeah. Did yeah. Ford versus Ferrari win this year? Yes. Yeah, there's just some cool, cool choices. Yeah, I really like that too. Um, yeah, uh, look, this is such an obvious choice. This is one of the most obvious choices mm-hmm. I think ever. Uh, this movie came out and I think spoke for a generation in many ways, and continues to speak for that social media generation a decade later. I can't believe it's been a decade. I know since this movie came out. It's so nuts. Uh, 
it's expertly crafted. It's expertly written. It is expertly performed. Yep. It is, I think, in many ways, the Venn diagram of our movie tastes. Yes. <laughs> it's it's weird. It's always this one. If in the in the realm of like uh for your interest in mine, yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah. I mean I'm just such a Sorkin fan, you're such a Fincher fan, and um they just came together and made a movie that is both tailor-made for you and tailor-made for me. This is right in the middle for us. Right smack dab in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so I think there should be no argument when we say... Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Has been entered into the Movie Hall of Fame. Congratulations, yeah. Edgar Wright. <laughs> Over my dead body. <laughs> I will give you the time and location when that thing gets in the Movie Hall of Fame. <laughs> Over my dead body. Uh... Social Network, congratulations. Yes. <laughs> of course. You get in. There you go. Good job. That was obvious. Good job by us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> congratulations to us. <laughs> we are the best. No one does podcasts like us. Is that the first Fincher movie to get in? Yep. Maybe the only one. Probably the only one. Yeah, I think right. so. Unless we wanted to do a Fincher pod, but... No, I, I don't think that's necessary. Nah. I think we've <laughs> talked about him enough. There are certain movies that should be in the... Like, Fight Club should be in the movie Hall of Fame. But... Yes. I blame was, you for that one. It was my fault. Yes, it yeah. was entirely my fault. You fucked that one up. Yeah, I did. It's all right, though. Next week. Talking 1960, finally. I'm yeah. sorry we kept pushing this, people. That's okay. It's also just because he didn't want to watch a foreign, a couple foreign movies, really. That's not what it is. Yeah. I just didn't have the time. What do you, you, didn't, what do you mean you didn't have the time? I didn't have the time. I mean, busy week. Of course you did. I did. All right. All right. Whatever. So again, I will remind you for next week, Psycho, The Apartment, Spartacus, The Magnificent Seven, Breathless, and The Virgin Spring. Watch those movies by next week uh, if you want to play along with us. Go right ahead. Oh, stream social network on stars, by oh, the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good, guys. It's pretty good if you it's haven't seen it. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. I love it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else? I was trying to think of a quote, and I, I, I got nothing. Well, that's too bad. I got nothing. Well, you're going to have to come up with one in the next 10 seconds, then. Okay. Well, I tell you to go to too many thoughtsmedia.com, tmt.media for short. Check out all our podcasts. Why is this a thing? We did Best Worst Movie, the documentary about mm-hmm. Troll 2. That was a good pod. Really fun podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, recommend you check that one out. And um, Cultured this week, I'll be doing one. Two cents. It's all there. Oh, I'm going to talk Super Tuesday on the Nico show. Got <laughs> to talk Bloomberg. That'll be Warren, fun. Biden. Oh, no. Oh, we got to do it. Oh, no. The day of reckoning is here. It's all going to be going up in flames, guys. Biden fever, baby. Catch it. Joe Biden. That creep. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, that's all I got. Me too. I love you. That, That too. I love you so very, very much. Until the next time we meet, Adam Hall. Um... I'm going to make him an author he can't refuse. That is a movie quote. That is, certainly. <laughs>